Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Talk a little bit more about the sports weekend. And Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, good to be on with you guys. It was a nice uh, week out there in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. And now we turn the page, start to get ready for the uh, the thick of college basketball season, college baseball will be here before we know it. So I love this time of year. Who were some of the players that impressed that um, may have increased their draft stock at Senior Bowl? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really partial to uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. That's uh, a guy I've had a chance to interview a handful of times. And, you know, he's, he's going through the injury, as we know, you know, the, the knee the knee injury suffered uh, towards the back end of the season. But he was still at the Senior Bowl doing, a, you know, interviews with all the teams. And, uh, you know, while he can't do anything on the football field right now, just kind of trying to impress him with, uh, you know, his off-the-field personality and all that kind of stuff. And, uh just an easy kid to root for, and, you know, it's, it's interesting now with that Sean Payton trade that went down a week ago with the Saints uh, now having a first-round pick, pick 29. I heard from multiple people last last week that uh, Hendon Hooker's definitely in play with that pick now because you know, with the first the first-round pick, you get that fifth-year option. And so uh, even if the Saints don't envision him as a guy who would start immediately, uh, they could take him and kind of let him spend a year kind of learning and developing and uh, kind of be their quarterback in the future. So that was one of the storylines that stood out to me. There was some interesting offensive and defensive linemen there. Um, you know, I thought Tennessee's uh, Darnell Wright really impressed at right tackle. Somebody told me they had a back into the first-round grade on him. D.J. Dale from Alabama really impressed. Uh, you know, I heard multiple people say that, you know, they thought he'd be like a rotational piece or a backup in the NFL and, with what they saw last week from him in the Senior Bowl, you know, one guy said, "I've got him as a as a full time starter in the NFL now with a second round grade." So, just kind of interesting to see guys like that that can really improve their draft stock. I remember being there a year ago and getting to talk to John Ridgeway, and uh, he was a guy who kind of impressed a lot of people, and the Colts took a chance on him. So, um, you know, it's, I don't know anybody who's gone to the Senior Bowl and hurt their stock, but there's certainly a lot of guys who go there and help their draft stock and. That happened with a handful of guys this past week. Yeah, as far as the game itself, uh, what kind of takeaways did you have from the game? Yeah, not much. I mean, it was. I said all week the quarterback play was subpar, and that's what we saw in the game. It was subpar quarterback play. Max Duggan from TCU, uh, Clayton Toon from, from the University of Houston. No, no offense to those guys. It just wasn't what we're used to. You know, we go back to Kenny, Kenny Pickett a year ago or even – a few years back when Dak Prescott was named the MVP of the game. I mean, we're, we're used to seeing some high-level quarterback play. We just didn't see it this week. And even more reason why Seth Bennett is an idiot for uh, for not taking the invite to the Senior Bowl because I think he really could have shined and showed everybody what you know what he could do. So uh, outside of that, Chris Rodriguez, the running back from Kentucky, he had a couple moments throughout the week. Kenny McIntosh, the Georgia running back, had some nice moments throughout the week. But, uh, you know, as, as you guys can see, I admire a lot of the SEC guys. But outside of that, not a whole lot of takeaways from the game. I think Byron Young from Tennessee, he, you know, he turned some heads with what he, how he played. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of one of those uh, one of those years where the quarterback play was not all that great. Well, Chris, uh, for those that maybe have never experienced that, because I never have, and I know it's a very much a big event, what is it all like? Like, just kind of walk us through – what the experience is like going to the Senior Bowl as far as media and the play and coaches and scouts and everything that's going on there? Yeah, it's it's very laid back. If you're a football junkie like I am, it, it's like Disney World. Like, <laughs> you, 
on uh, on Monday or Tuesday when they hit the practice field for the first time, and they, they're splitting the two teams. So you have the national team and the American team, and you know basically one team practices early in the afternoon, the other one comes in in the later afternoon behind them. And it's so crazy because it's guys from all these different teams from around the country, and they're all still wearing their, their college helmets. So you can kind of look and go, oh, okay, there's the BYU kid, there's the, the USF kid or whatever. And um, you just kind of get to take it in, but you get to sit in the stands with all the rest of the media. You're, you're with scouts, you're with agents, you're with all kinds of people. And it's, it's just like a big free-for-all. You can kind of move around the stands. And, you know, at one point, we're watching the offensive linemen work, and I look to my left, and Mike Tomlin is standing next to me, the Steelers head coach. And, you know, you go another few feet, and there's Drew Rosenhaus, one of the big power agents in the league. So it's just funny to, to look around and you see all these, different people, you know, from, from different circles around the NFL all just kind of take it in just like you are, right? Taking notes. And you turn, there's a guy with a Colts logo on his shirt. You turn, there's a guy with a cowboy hoodie on. It's just, it's all different scouts and everybody who's anybody in the NFL there, along with media members. And the whole lot of networking is a lot of, hey, you know, let me get your client's phone number. Let me get this guy, that guy. So that's kind of what it is. And it's, again, it's like that all week. So it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, give you a little bit behind the scenes at night, you know, mobile, all the bars are packed with those same people. And so, you know, you'll go to a bar. I remember last year, we went to a bar one night after dinner and Mark Brunel sitting there buying people shots. And, uh, you know, since he was the assistant coach with the Lions and you go to the next bar and there's another, you know, NFL coach or assistant coach, uh, you know, drinking there. And that's where we can really get some of the good behind the scenes stories. So, it's a fun time. I'd encourage uh, anybody, you know, if you guys have never been, it's a, it's a fun trip down there. But you are in Mobile, Alabama, so I guess the fun is kind of limited with what you can do. Being the self-described football junkie, did you turn your attention the next day to the Pro Bowl games? Now, uh, a different environment altogether because they play a flag football game and then they have skills competitions. But uh, did you get a chance to watch any of that? Yeah, the dodgeball thing, I, I, it kind of caught my eye the other night. And then the flag football game yesterday, I had it on, but I was, like, doing chores around the house. And that's the best way I can describe it is it was just something kind of on in the background. And I look up, and, you know, there's Kirk Cousins throwing a pass, and there's Stephon Diggs catching a pass. And they're pulling his flag, and he's getting tackled, and he doesn't realize he's been tackled. Um, you know, it was just – it was entertaining. It, it kind of was what it was, but – it still didn't hook me. And so that's where I don't know where the NFL goes from here. <laughs> like, you know, I, I described it as simple as this. We like football, one, because of the personalities, but two, because it's a football. It's football. It's a football game. That yesterday was not a football game. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you fix the Pro Bowl. I admire them for trying something different. Uh, my friend who lives there in Vegas said the whole, the whole weekend was sold out, that there, you know, there wasn't an empty seat in the house yesterday. So, from that aspect, I guess the NFL is going to call it a success and say it's working. But, man, I don't know how you cure this thing. All three all-star games, from Major League Baseball to the NBA to the NFL, they're all just – they're slightly entertaining, but I don't know how you get much better than that. I don't know what the answer is. Speaking with Chris Gordy here on the Jones & Son Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline from Sports Talk 790 there in Houston as well as Locked on SEC Podcast. Well, let's kind of turn the attention now to the Super Bowl matchup. We – had an idea in talking about it last week, but now we're getting closer. Uh, if you look at a lot of the Vegas lines, at least I hear Bet Saracen's got it about a point and a half in favor of the Eagles. Just as we get closer, what do you make of the matchup, and do you think that the Eagles might be the betting favorite or at least have the edge in this game? 
Yeah, I think the more I start to look at it, the more I like what the uh, what the Eagles have done all year long, and that defense has just been suffocating and stout. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been really good with his decision making, and you know AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, are, you know such good years. Miles Sanders really, you know, bounced back year in the run game. So I just keep looking at all the weapons that the Eagles have, and I think if we're just going based on that, I've got the Eagles pinned as a slight favorite now. There's a few mitigating factors here. One, somebody brought up, you know, the Chiefs have been there, done that. Patrick Mahomes has been on this stage a couple of times before. Um, you know, does that change with Jalen Hurts? It was his first time here in the Super Bowl. Uh, is he jittery? You know, it's, it's all the nerves and everything that leads up to it. Uh, another thing somebody brought up to me, too, how about being battle-tested? The Chiefs are more battle-tested. They had some tougher games with, uh, with the Bengals. And, you know, you look at the road that the Eagles had to go on, it's not really the same – uh, same level of competition that uh, that the Chiefs had to go through to get here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going back and forth on it still. I would still probably lean towards the Eagles. I think Vegas still has them as a slight, you know, like one, one-and-a-half point favorite at this point. But, like I said, I, with the Eagles kind of rolling through the Giants and then, you know, the 49ers basically had a hand tied behind their back with no quarterback play, it was a much easier route for the Eagles than – you know, that scrappy Jaguars team that, that came at them hard and then the Bengals, uh, you know, a week ago. I, I feel like the Chiefs are a little bit more slightly battle-tested. What is it that you pay attention to as far as storylines over the next couple of days uh, through Wednesday? There'll be some media availability, and then that cuts off where you don't hear from the players anymore, and then it's about just those storylines and creating content. Or are you to the point where it's Super Bowl week, it's time to just go ahead and play and and uh, stop hearing about all these storylines. Yeah, I mean, they're fun, right? I mean, the, the Kelsey brothers storyline is, is fun. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of fun storylines leading up to it. You know, I, I go back to two years ago, the Chiefs drafted, or I guess it was three years ago, now drafted uh, Clyde edwards Dealer out of LSU in the first round. Because, you know, they looked at Pat Mahomes and they said, look, we've got to improve this run game. And Mahomes said, oh, go get me Clyde. He'll, he'll be great. And Clyde, when he's healthy, has looked really good. But that's been the big problem with Clyde is he hasn't been able to stay healthy the last few years. And so in comes Jarek McKinnon, basically a, a cast-off, uh, you know, bounced around to a couple different teams, and then a seventh-round pick by the name of Isaiah Pacheco, who has turned out to be his absolute stud for them in the run game all year. Uh, to me, that's, what, that's kind of a fun storyline, is that, you know, a couple of years ago you spent a first-rounder on a running back, and then, oh, and behold, this, this rookie seventh-round pick ends up being your best running back on your roster. So... That's kind of a fun one to keep an eye on, too. And then, you know, if you really want to get into the X's and O's of it, you know, we talked about those big-time pass catchers of the Eagles, you know, whether it's Dallas Goddard or, uh, you know, with A.J. Brown and with uh, Devontae Smith. Man, these, these rookie DBs that the Chiefs have in there, and Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie, um, I think there's uh, John, Nazi Johnson, throw him in there, too. They've just, like, it's, it's unbelievable. Not normally do you turn to... Uh, you know, true rookies as your starting corners, but they have locked it down and held it down and performed so well. I think that's just a really, really fun storyline to look at the uh, the impact that these rookies are having on this uh, Chiefs defense. Chris, uh, I know that uh, since you're based there, obviously in Houston, uh, D'Amico Ryan's was officially announced as coach. Press conference and everything like that, just kind of maybe what were some uh, takeaways and your first impression of him taking the podium and being the new coach? Yeah, he, he's a guy that, that is beloved in Houston, and it just feels like the right guy at the right time. 
I mean, we could run through all the reasons behind why the last two guys didn't work out. David Culley was in over said Lovey Smith was kind of just in the right place at the right time when they, uh, you know, when, when the Brian Flores lawsuit came out, they were just kind of like, yeah, well, let's just give the job to Lovey. I think this is a real true hire. They, they gave him a multi-year deal. Um, like I said, he's beloved in Houston, but he checks all the boxes. He was actually a qualified candidate, so much so that it sounds like the Broncos came after him not once but twice uh, before they settled on Sean Payton. They were still trying to get to Miko Ryan. So um, it, it's all going to depend on how him and the GM, Nick Casario, work together. They've got set up in a great spot with the number two overall pick in the draft. You know, is it going to be Bryce Young? I saw a mock draft today. Matt Miller from ESPN has them taking Will Levis from Kentucky number two. Uh, it, it's so fascinating as we've been diving into the data this week about first-round quarterbacks. We just went back the last decade, and it is basically a 50-50 hit rate on first-round quarterbacks. And that's what's so fascinating when you look at this draft class. And you got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. You know, one of these guys is going to be a stud, and one of them is going to be a bust. And for the Texans at two, it's, it's incumbent on them to figure out which one's which. And don't draft the bust. Draft the guy who's going to be the hit. So it's just going to be so fun to, 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 to watch this thing play out. And are you getting Mitchell Trubisky or are you getting Joe Burrow? Are you getting, you know, is it going to be the next, um, I don't know, Jared Goff? Is it going to be the next uh, Tua? Like, what are you getting with your first-round quarterback? And it's just going to be really, really interesting. And with D'Amico Lyons being an Alabama alumni, He's got Christian Harris, the rookie linebacker. They drafted out of Alabama a year ago. John Metsch, was drafted a year ago. Sat out this year with cancer treatments. It sounds like he's going to be back. Does that Alabama connection carry over with D'Amico, and do they get Bryce Young with the number two pick? Um, you know, We're going to find out here in the next couple of months, but it just feels so important on, on who they draft here on the future of this franchise. Did D'Amico Ryans give any indication as to if he's still going to call defensive plays? Because – he is a uh, defensive specialist, but now that he's the head coach, may want to shift the responsibilities to a true defensive coordinator. Yeah, he said he's, as of now, he thinks he's still going to make the calls from the sidelines. So, uh, and again, that's not foreign. You know, we see that around the NFL. A lot of the offensive body coaches call plays. A lot of the defensive-minded uh, head coaches still call their plays. So, sounds like D'Amico's still going to do that. But that's what makes it even more important that they hire a good offensive coordinator, too. You know, whoever that is, there's been a rumor that maybe it's going to be Bobby Slowick, who was the passing game coordinator of the 49ers, which to me makes a lot of sense. Let him bring over the Kyle Shanahan uh, playbook and, and wrinkles and have that carry over to the Houston Texans because it seems they've worked the last few years for the 49ers. No matter who they've had, there off, had in there on offense, it's worked out. So we'll see if there's some carry over there. But, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, you look at what the 49ers defenses have been the last couple of years. I mean, one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, yeah, don't broke what's not what's not or don't fix what's not broken. I would just like to make keep calling plays. I got to ask you a little bit about college football, especially uh, with Alabama, because Chris, you have the coordinators officially hired by Alabama, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, and Kevin Steele coming in, who of course has been under Nick Saban, also was at Auburn. He's going to be your defensive coordinator. What'd you make of these hires by Nick Saban? Yeah, I've talked to a couple of Alabama people who told me, "Look, I just I trust uh, I trust Nick Saban and whatever he does." And I said, "I get that, but man, doesn't this feel like these are not the big splash hires that you were hoping for? 
you know, to go from Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding, and I know Bama fans criticize them a lot, but Bill O'Brien still had a top six offense the last few years in college football. Pete Golding still had top 20 defenses. I know Bama fans want to have top five defenses, but it wasn't like the defenses were putrid or bad. Um, I mean, just go ask, uh, go ask Arkansas fans how they felt about Barry Odom this past year. But, you know, I, I feel like, like if you're a true Alabama fan, ask yourself, are you truly excited? about hiring a Tommy Reese and a Kevin Steele. It just feels like they settled here after the, the OC in Washington turned them down. And after, you know, Greg Sankey said, no, you can't hire Jeremy Pruitt. And, and just a couple of things that have happened here in the last two weeks, it feels like for Alabama this was settling. Now, look, you got four and five-star talent everywhere, so it may not matter. I had somebody tell me uh, yesterday, they said, look, I get the, the one thing to splash hire, but how often do splash hires really work out? Typically, the smart hires, are the ones that pan out. We don't really look back on it and say, oh, they made a great decision there. So um, this could all work out well. I kind of like Reese being younger and Kevin Steele being older. He gave a little dynamic there. And Tommy Reese has worked with those quarterbacks in Notre Dame. And, man, it is it is big time important that they get a good quarterback here, whether it's Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, whoever wins that battle. Uh, they're going to need a lot of coaching from their uh, from their OC and their development. So, uh, again, my initial reaction on the surface is, not impressed with the hires. This might not have been the best route that Alabama could have gone, but is it possible that they just work out because of the talent that Alabama has on the roster? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be uh, just if uh, you know, just a 10 win season, and they'll just have to fire everybody after this year for for Bama. I'm sure that's what's <laughs> going to end up amounting to. But still, Chris, as always, dude, we appreciate you joining us, being the football junkie that you are. Uh, it's always going to be fun. Enjoy the Super Bowl, dude, and I know we're going to catch up with you next week. All right. Definitely got to say, 